Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. more copies that are still out in the lobby. If you want to uh, pick up right, right, right now and, and walk the rest of the way with us, we would encourage you to do that. Um, but there's a, I see a stack of books out there on the, on the table and you can join us um, just to kind of have our focus be the same thing as we walk through the season of Lent from Ash Wednesday through Holy Week leading into, um, leading into the celebration that we have on Easter. Um, Easter is going to be a great time. Uh, we didn't cover it, uh, haven't, haven't talked much about it, but we're going to have a, a sunrise service like we had last year that will happen right out here in the lobby. We want to invite you to, to that and be a part of that, to, to experience the sun coming up and to start that morning uh, with just a, a, a celebration of worship as a, as a is a neat moment to, to share together. And then we'll have our, our regular Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. Um, and plan to have uh, a baptism service that morning. So it's been a tradition in the in the church to, to celebrate with, with baptism on Easter Sunday morning. So we're going to participate in that. If you have not been baptized and want to uh, consider that and think about that, we will have opportunities for you to, to, to um, explore what that means uh, and to make a to make a choice as to whether that's something that you um, would like to be a part of on Easter Sunday morning. It's going to be uh, a wonderful celebration whenever we have the chance to, to recognize someone uh, making the choice to be baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, as we turn to Scripture today, I want to warn you just uh, right up right up front that it's a longer passage that we're going to be reading today. Um, I thought about kind of parceling it up or taking part of it, and I was like, you know, that's just less of God's words and more of my words. And I said, that's not a good deal for you or for me either. So, um, man, I just figure when we have a, a longer text, let's just... Let's just uh, enjoy that. Uh, we're going to read today from John chapter 4, um, and I'm going to be reading from verse 5 down through verse 42. So it's going to be a bit of a longer passage, um, and so I just want to make you aware of that. We normally don't read this much, but uh, this story is just fantastic, and so I wanted to give, I wanted to give full time to it. So um, for those who are willing and able, out of respect for the reading of God's word, would you please stand... Um, if, if you can survive this long text. So, a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, starting in verse 5. He came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, which was near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy him some food. 
The Samaritan woman asked, Why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, If you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, Give me some water to drink, you would be asking him, and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket, and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave, us the, he gave this well to us, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, get your husband and come back here. The woman replied, I don't have a husband. You are right to say, I don't have a husband, Jesus answered. You've had five husbands, and the man you are now, or with now isn't your husband. You've spoken the truth. The woman said, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you and your people say that it is necessary to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you and your people will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You and your people worship what you don't know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But the time is coming and is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. The Father looks for those who worship him in this way. For God is spirit and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will teach everything to us. And Jesus said to her, I am the one who speaks with you. Just then, Jesus' disciples arrived and were shocked that he was talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? The woman put down her water jar and went into the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who has told me everything I've done. Could this man be the Christ? They left the city and were on their way to see Jesus. In the meantime, the disciples spoke to Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples asked each other, Has someone brought him food? Jesus said to them, I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing his work. Don't you have a saying, four more months, and then it's time for harvest? Look, I tell you, open your eyes and notice that the fields are already ripe for the harvest. Those who harvest are receiving their pay and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that those who sow and those who harvest can celebrate together. This is a true saying that one sows and another harvests. I have sent you to the harvest sent you to harvest what you don't work what you didn't work hard for others worked hard and you will share in their hard work many samaritans in that city believed in jesus because of the woman's word when she testified he told me everything i've ever done so when the samaritans came to jesus they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there 2 days many more believed because of his word and they said to the woman we no longer believe because of what you said for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is truly the savior of the world this is the word of god given to us the people of god we say thanks be to god please be seated i told you it was a longer passage we made it we made it through it's hard you know 
daylight savings time and long passages, I'll tell you. Um, on daylight savings time, it's always interesting to watch like about 50 minutes into service if, the, you know, cars pull into the parking lot and they're like, oh my goodness, we're an hour late and then they drive off. But hopefully that won't, won't happen today. I think we all have some idea... I think we all have some idea of, of the power and the impact of water in our lives. Uh, water can do amazing things, right? Uh, it can carve away rock into the Grand Canyon. It can wash away the earth and make, make uh, structures that once seemed solid crumble and fall away. Uh, it, it cracks the concrete in winter. It feeds plants and makes our vegetation green. Um, we kind of live in the desert, and things kind of turn brown after a little while. Water greens them up. Water makes them come to life. Hydrates our, our, our bodies, our livestock, our animals. It falls from the sky. This last week, it seems to fall from the sky in white form, but I think we might have gotten out of that. I shouldn't say that out loud because it's probably going to come now this week. It fills our reservoirs, and that's important. Helping supply what we will need through the summer. Have you ever gone for too long without enough water? They call it dehydration. Uh, man, when I forget to, to have enough water in my day, I feel it by the end of the day. If I go for a couple of days without it, some, some things mess up in my body right? I don't have the concentration. I can get headaches. I can get irritable and moody, um, lack of focus, confused, tired, just generally kind of messed up. I'm a bit taken as we, as we have journeyed through this Lenten season with this devotional that calls itself Water for the Way. Water for the way, that our, that our time spent in God's word on a daily basis, our time spent hearing what God has to say to us is as important to us as water is for the body. That, that, that's exactly what we need physically and spiritually, I, I, that we have got to have that nourishment and that hydration in our lives to be healthy. And to, to get into a rhythm. Um, I remember just a couple of weeks ago as we gathered for, for Ash Wednesday, uh, we talked about this season of Lent. What are you going to practice? What are you going to um, maybe, one of, one of the traditions is to maybe give something up for Lent. And we, we oftentimes talk about what, what will you put off for this season of Lent. But also maybe what will you put on? What will you replace that time with? Um, and I just think it's good for us in, in midstream to say what has this season been like for you and for me. One of the things that, that I've started on Wednesday is, is our class revolving around the book, um, The Return of the Prodigal Son. Um, <clears throat> it's, been, it's been great. It, it's been a, a, a good reminder of, of what God wants to do for us and how he thinks about us and, and the ways that he desires for us to relate to him. I have to confess, every year as we go through this season of Lent, spring is kind of tough. Spring is a tough season. There's things that are, are starting up, and, and life tends to get a little busy. Um, 
There's lots to do. And in the midst of that, we have this season of Lent that just calls us to this new rhythm, this new pace, this new focus on our relationship with Christ. And I hope that for you and I hope that for me, it has been water for your soul, feeding and nourishing, hydrating and giving us life. Water is really kind of the focus of of part of our passage today. It literally is the reason for this interaction that we find in the scripture today in John chapter 4. Water has been crucial uh, for for a long time, as long as we've been around. As long as creation has been around, water has been important. It's actually the description of what creation was like before creation that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep and and represented the chaos that was before pre-creation. But here we have a woman that comes to the well in need of water. Water was uh, not as available as it is these days. Um, You know, I go to my kitchen and I, I, I move a little handle and all of a sudden water is present and water is there. Water hangs out in my walls until I need it wasn't the case for this woman. This woman had a rhythm of of having to go and retrieve water on a daily basis. And Jesus, who was traveling along and, and, and took this path through Samaria to this place, needed water. Jesus and the woman were together in their need for water in this story. The woman that we encounter here at the well near the city of Sychar in the region of Samaria remains nameless through the whole story. We don't even get to know her name. She is an island. Perhaps the the leaving out of her name is, is on purpose. Perhaps it's on purpose because she was so isolated. She was so alone, even in the condition that she came to the well. She was isolated from her people, It seems that she had been shunned and kind of adrift, kind of scorned by the people uh, of the city in which she lives. And yet, even in that place, she needed to go retrieve water. Said she was coming at noon, and and people have talked about this before, that this isn't the customary time for for coming and getting water. Normally, it would be earlier in the day or later in the day when the weather conditions probably weren't so harsh, when it wasn't as hot, when the sun wasn't beating down. But she did that so that she could avoid the other people at the well. She came at the uncommon time because she didn't want the peering eyes, the judgmental looks, the shame that came from being in the presence of others. And I want to pause here and and talk a little bit about the competing worldviews that we see in this story, Uh, the competing ways of looking at the world. The the first way of seeing the world that we encounter comes from this woman. Um, Her view was, was forced upon her, for she had been judged and ostracized and hated. She had been resented for her history. And, and what had happened. We read this story and make some conclusions about this woman that, that perhaps are a little unfair. They're not, they're not directly stated in the text. Um, we kind of assume some um, unfaithfulness or some divorce or some misbehavior that was present in this woman's life. And that's not mentioned in the text. 
I had one commentator that pointed that out. And, and, and all the times that I had heard this story, I had this picture of this woman that just had made some rotten choices, right? And led to some misery. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't talk about her history, but we tend to make some, some assumptions. But all of what she had gone through, whatever, whatever that history was, had led her to viewing life through this lens. And through this worldview, this, the, the world's economy, the, way, the world's way of looking at the world in which we live. And that, that world's economy or that world, that, the world's worldview doesn't have anything to do with money, but how the world works. She was, she was not well-liked in the town, and so she went to the well at noon to avoid people. Jesus stopped and talked to her and, and, and made a request for her. How could this be? This is so weird, so uncommon. How is Jesus going to get water, she thought. for He doesn't have a bucket. He doesn't have a rope. How is this going to work? This doesn't make sense in her mind. The well is deep. Then she heard about water that would abolish thirst and never go thirsty again. And she said, please give me this water. But she told us why she wanted the water. What does it say? So I don't have to come back. So I don't have to face this place again. Here, Jesus Christ was offering her the water that would quench her thirst for her life. And she's stuck in this mode of, if I could never come back to this well, that'd be a really good gig. There's another way of viewing the world present in this story for which we're thankful, right? Jesus has this kingdom view of, of looking at the world. This is what kingdom economy is. In, in place of the world's view of life and faith and all that goes on, we have a kingdom way of looking at the world. And Jesus represents that way of looking at the world. It seems flipped upside down sometimes. It seems totally opposite of the way the world works. It seems backwards sometimes, foreign to the world in which we live. The first way we see that in Jesus is, is how he treats this woman. This was a woman, this was a Samaritan woman. And for Jesus, who, who knew all of the implications of that, how that would be viewed for him to address this woman, what it meant for, for Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans were a hated half-breed type group, a, a group of Jews that had, had, had intermarried with this group of people that was hated by the Jewish community. And so Samaria was a place where they would often avoid. They would often add hours to their trip and, and head the other direction and go around this region of Samaria. And verse 4 tells us they had to go this way. They had to go this way, which isn't technically true. They probably could have added the, that time and gone around, but it's implied in this story that there was an encounter that needed to happen on this journey. And it begins to tell us this story right after it says that. Jesus, when he saw this woman, saw 
her as a, a fellow human, a fellow traveler, a fellow journey person on the road, not marked by the labels, woman, not marked by the label, Samaritan. She had been all all of her life, and in, at least in her recent history, kind of shunned and ostracized, hated by, by the people of this town, which is why she chose to come at noon. Christ saw her as a beloved child of God. Jesus says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for water. Without bucket, without rope, you would ask me for water if you had an idea of who I was. For Jesus, there was this collection point of, of water that dries out eventually, something that, that had to come every day. And in, in, the, in the kingdom's economy, there's a water that never runs dry. Jesus, for us in this story, represents a whole new way of looking at the world. And she doesn't get it, right? I mean, there, there's this interaction and this back and forth, and this woman just doesn't understand it. She's kind of lost through the whole thing and doesn't really pick up on it. But Christ represents for us this new way of living that was true back then in the city of Sychar, back 2,000 years ago. And it's true for us in Mountain Home. 2,000 years later. That for Christ, his mission was to bring to this world the kingdom way of living that we can here on earth live as it is in heaven. It's this altered way of viewing the world that, that captures the attention of this woman for for. He had offered this compelling vision of, of something different, something new. Verse 15 says this. She, fi she finally is like, okay, I'm not sure what's going on here, but give me some of this water. This, this compelling view of, of the world, this kingdom view of the world caught her attention. But even in that statement, <laughs> there's, there's a bit of selfish intent. I, I really don't want to come back here, Jesus, so if you could bring me this water that never runs out, that would be really great. It's this encounter with this kingdom view begins to open her mind, begins to let her see a different way of viewing the world. And it leads her to some honest engagement with Christ, right? Just tell it, just saying it how it is. He, he says, well, go get your husband, come back. And all of a sudden, like, her life is just becomes this open book. She's, she honestly engages with Jesus and says, I don't have a husband. And begins to talk about some of the things that probably led to the pain that she had experienced in her life. And there we see the inside of Jesus. There we see Jesus begin to tap into her life and tell her exactly what she needed to hear. To say, 
I'm going to go tell the people. I'm going to go back to the city. I've got to tell people about this man who told me about my entire life. I want, I want you to picture for just a moment the disciples who've come back from this town as they come back and they see Jesus and when they're kind of walking up. And do you see the disciples, right? Like that moment in the story where they come back and, and they know Jesus, but they don't know this woman. And all of a sudden it's kind of become really awkward in this moment. Like they don't know what to say. They don't know how to act. They're going, what in the world is going on in this moment? The moment of dissonance in the story where, where there's kind of this tension and you don't know how people respond. You don't know what will happen in this next step. Two things happen concurrently at, the, at this point of the story. The first thing is Jesus begins to take time to teach his disciples. Right? They're, they're pretty clueless. <laughs> the disciples often are. Sometimes we like to pick on the disciples. I'm not sure that's really fair. But as is often the case, the, the disciples don't catch on really quick. What's, what's really interesting about the disciples is that, that they had the witness of Christ in their life and the influence and the teaching of Christ, and yet they really struggled to figure out what it meant to live kingdom as well that they were so stuck in their mode and stuck in their way of thinking and, and had this picture of what Messiah would do and what the Christ was supposed to do, that even with the consistent teaching of Jesus, it took a lot of time and, in fact, took Easter for them to really catch it. It takes them a while. They're, they're talking about bread. They're talking about food. They're like... Did, did the woman bring him some food or did somebody else? Did he turn stones into bread or what, what went on? How does he have this food? And it kind of left them a little bewildered. But the second thing that's happening in this moment is incredible. The second thing going on at this time is, is where this whole story points. We hear amazing things about what this woman does and how her focus was changed. It says she set down her jar. The whole reason she had gone to the well is set aside and cast aside. She set down her jar. She didn't collect any water and went back to the town. And what was her normal route? As she headed back into the town with the jug of water, her, her route was straight to her house to not be noticed, to, to, to avoid human interaction. That was her common route, and that was her practice. Did she wa need water any less? No, she didn't. She needed that water. She no longer needed to cook or to clean or to pr provide food, prepare a meal. She had to do all of those things. But being with Jesus, being in the presence of the Messiah, had changed her. What does it say? It says she went into the city and began speaking to the people. These are the people that she wanted to avoid. These are the people that caused her to say, I'm going to go at noon when nobody else is there. Her whole life had, had, had adjusted and, and, and she had caused inconvenience for herself to avoid the very thing that she goes and does in this moment. 
now she enters the town and starts spreading the news saying, come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done, who spoke back to me my life. I don't think in that moment that she really started liking people, that the, <laughs> that was any easier for her. I don't think there was some miraculous change of, of personality that happened in that moment. I don't think it was easy. But her view of life was so altered in that moment and in that interaction and in that experience that she had to change, that it changed her. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but all we have here in the story is, is the evidence that we find. I'll tell you, I think, I think, I like saying that because it's accurate. I think, I think that this woman who was bound up in this, this worldly view of the world, of the people that surrounded her, the people who caused her shame, the people who, who made her struggle, the people who caused a lot of difficulty in her life of how she was treated and how that was all she ever knew, that woman encountered something new in the person of Jesus Christ. In that moment, she literally could not stay where she had been, where she had seen the world through this lens and through this view that was so common, that was so present, that was so prevalent in the culture in which she found herself upon encountering Jesus and upon encountering a new way of seeing the world, she could not stay. She had caught a glimpse of what it means to live a kingdom life, a life of earth on, it is, on earth as it is in heaven, the way of the kingdom of God. And what was the result? She went to town. She went to town and she started talking to the very people that she had spent her days avoiding and it says, many believed. Before Jesus was in the picture, it says, many believed that there was such a change in who she was and how she presented herself and, and, and the testimony of what she had experienced. And children of God, there's power in the way in which God changes us. Amen? That, that from her very testimony, from her very word, it says that many believed. And in that moment, the town then came out. There, were, there, was, there was a contingent sent out to meet Jesus because of the power of her testimony. And it says Jesus stayed a few days. This isn't in the text either, but I wonder, maybe Jesus and the disciples stayed with her. That this woman who had struggled so much with human interaction and had avoided it, said, why don't you come? Let me host you. Let me offer hospitality. And the end result is it says even more believed. Many more believed. 
during this season of Lent, we are invited to come and see Jesus. In this season of Lent, we are invited to come to the well. And I'll tell you, there's been seasons in my life, and I know that there, there are people in this room walking through seasons of, of, of your life today where it doesn't feel like we're worthy. It doesn't feel like we're worthy of, of coming to that well. Things that we're going through, the things we have encountered what we're experiencing causes all these sorts of doubts and struggles in our lives. And like the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well beside the city of Sychar, we might struggle to say, does Jesus really want to offer this to me? And the resounding answer from the word of God is yes, Yes, Christ has this water for us to walk that changes us. It's water that doesn't run dry. It's water that fills and sustains and nourishes our lives. And this Lent, as we draw close to him, I pray that we will feel that, that we will sense that, that we will know that in the economy of God's kingdom, all are welcome at the well, regardless of our history, regardless of our struggles, regardless of what we've been through or are going through in these moments. And that's not common. The world says, oh, you've kind of got to earn it. The world says, well, what have you, what have you done to deserve this? The world says, eh, I'm not sure. I mean, look at this, what you've done, Freeberg. Look at this mistake you've made. Look how you have messed up here and there. And Christ says, the water is for you. The kingdom economy says, we're all invited to draw from this well. One of the most beautiful expressions of this, this economy of the kingdom and how it's flipped on its head is the celebration of Eucharist, the taking of communion. For, for we are invited to come and remember and even celebrate and commemorate the death of our Lord and Savior because it invites and compels us into relationship with Christ. Should we find ourselves like the woman at the well, heavy with the burden of the way that we kind of normally look at the world, the invitation to the table is also an invitation to seeing the world as Christ does, seeing the world through a kingdom lens to be set free from what our natural inclination and normal responses are in our life, to see life here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to invite the, the praise team to come on up and those who are prepared to help serve communion to come up as well. This moment, this, this coming to the table that Christ invites us to is like coming to the well to receive the water that Christ has for us, the water that doesn't run dry, water that makes 
the difference in our lives. In our church, as we serve communion, we serve what's called open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of this church to, to participate with us. You simply have to be a follower of Christ. And maybe today, maybe today is the day where you say, I've never really accepted what Christ has to offer. I've never really accepted this gift. I find myself like the woman at the well, like wondering, what is this? If you want to invite Christ into your life and receive that this morning, then you can do so as you come forward and receive these elements, the elements of communion. Um, in our church, we kind of come forward to a couple of stations here in the front, and we also have one in the back. We serve a gluten-free bread. If you'd like to receive that, you can come with open hands, and we'll place a piece of bread um, in your hands, and you can dip it in the juice and partake of the elements right there. Also, we have some prepackaged um, communion elements that if you prefer, you can take one of those from the bowl and return to your seat. We kind of come down these aisles and kind of loop around to the back um, to get back to our seats. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had gathered with his disciples in what, came, what became known as the upper room. And, and during that meal, they were celebrating the Passover feast, which was kind of very regimented and very scripted in Jewish culture. But during this meal, Jesus made some changes. During the meal, he took bread, and having given thanks for it, he broke it. And he offered it to those that had gathered with him, saying, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup, and having given thanks for that, he offered it to them, saying, take and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant, and my blood which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do so and remember me. It's with this meal that we remember the sacrifice of Christ, and we also embrace a new way of living that Christ invites us to, a kingdom way of life. We're going to pray as we do so. We're going to serve the praise team, and the, and the servers are going to take their positions. Would you pray with me in this moment? God, today... We pray that you would take these symbols, these elements, and consecrate them. Would you make them for us, the very body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we can be, for the world, the hands and feet of Jesus. Lord, as we partake of these elements today, I just pray that you would... Um, you would help capture our attention with a view of this world that is based upon your kingdom. God, thank you for the chance to worship in this way, and thank you for your sacrifice for the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ, which for us makes all the difference. And feed us Nourish us, supply us with the water that does not run dry. Give us your hope and peace. We pray in Christ's name, amen. The table is set, the invitation given, come and dine.
That's our prayer, that Jesus would come, the Holy Spirit would come in our lives during this season and every season. Amen? Amen. As I offer a benediction prayer, I invite you, those who are willing and able, to stand. We have a tradition in our church of just holding out our hands, reminding ourselves that this is a benediction prayer that we receive as it's prayed. Today, may God be your source of peace and power this whole week long. And may our eyes see the world through kingdom lenses, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.